Have you ever been there where you want to believe, but the rules got in your way? Uh, maybe you're experimenting with faith, trying to figure out if it has something for you, but then you hear about all these rules that accompany that, and it causes you to kind of lean back from it. Or maybe it's caused you to not have a conversation with somebody, because you look at somebody's life and you go, wow, they're just out of alignment with what Christ would want, and uh, they, they won't get that part, so I just won't have that, and and uh, maybe that really is coming across as being a little judgmental when you think that way about uh, rules and everything. Uh, years ago, when I was youth pastor, there was a guy named Sean, and he was a uh, high school baseball star in South Portland and uh, really uh, well-known and uh, really uh, well-liked and, and did a really good job at the game. And uh, he was entertaining faith and uh, as he would talk about it, he was very, very concerned about what saying yes to Jesus would limit in his life. And because of that, he was hesitant. And I was really surprised because his church, I mean, his family really didn't have a faith background, didn't go to church anywhere, but he knew all these rules. And uh, some were uh, things that would reflect the heart that had said yes to Christ, and some of these rules had nothing to do with faith. Yet he was able to call them up and say, yeah, I want to believe, but these rules, what will I have to do with that? I remember saying to him, I said, you know, if you say yes to Christ, if you place your trust in him, that will get all sorted out later on. So don't worry about that right now. Let that get sorted out later on. I remember when I was in high school and towards the end of my uh, senior year, uh, thinking about faith and thinking about how far I was going to be in or out or what was I going to do with it, I definitely had said yes to Christ, but I wanted to know how much it would own me in a sense. And uh, I, can, I can remember just, just wanting to, to wait because I was just afraid of all uh, the things that I would give up. Uh, my parents uh, made me uh, go to college for a year. Uh, they said, you can't get out from that. And that time, that was the right thing for me to do. And so in that first semester of that year, God really started to grab my heart. But I still was very scared of the rules. I've showed you these pictures before, but I just couldn't come up with a better illustration of the rules and how they impact a life. This is my ID card when I'm a freshman coming in at the Bible college I was going to, and that became a university, and then in the spring when they took a follow-up picture for next year's, there I am. So, you know, the rules had done their number on me. So, you know, we're scared about rules. And we're scared about them taking away all kinds of things in life. And quite frankly, we've had a lot of times in our life where really uh, the sourpusses rule the day. When we think of following Christ, we think of no fun, a drain on life, limiting life. And so we have that problem. And it's even for those of us who have said yes to Christ, we don't know how much we want to surrender because we're afraid of what we are going to lose. But if you go all the way back to the beginning, if you go all the way back to Genesis, and you see the Garden of Eden, you see Adam and Eve there, it's interesting to me that there was only one rule. 
Sometimes we think God is just a God of rules. Don't do this, do this. But in the beginning, there was only one rule, and we see this here. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Only rule. Only rule. And that was to see what was in Adam and Eve's heart. Uh, Wanted to give them free choice. Wanted them to love God because they loved God, not because they were robots. So there's just one rule laid out there, and uh, they don't don't pass. They, They break the rule. Uh, They can't, in a sense, help themselves, it almost seems. And some would say, well, what about the certainly die? It means they died spiritually. Their connection with uh, God was uh, broken, and we see that continuing on. That's why a few weeks ago we celebrated Easter, that ultimate sacrifice, that resurrection so that you and I can have a relationship with God. And all the Old Testament sacrificial system points to Christ uh, someday coming on the scene. So we have this, this idea again. So this rules, I want to believe, but the rules. And sometimes you and I get to this place where we are so focused on the external that we miss out on the internal. And when we come to this subject, we need to make sure that it's not external over the internal. Yes, the external does matter. Yes, it does matter how you and I behave. It's got to start from the heart. If you and I don't have that heart connection, eventually it just, it just, it just gets really uh, monotonous and hard and, and uh, legalistic. So it's got to be a response of the heart, starts on the inside and works its way on the outside. That's why Jesus says this to the Pharisees, the teachers of law, this quote-unquote religious of his day. He writes this, Woe to you, teachers of law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgent. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. The idea of what starts in the heart then makes its way out. And when you and I try to start on the outside, it can, it some often will not make its way into the heart. And so it's an empty kind of rules and regulations. Our behavior should overflow from a heart that's connected to God. And because we're connected to God, he works in our lives and we love God. We express that and we also express loving others. And the reality is, is none of us can read each other's hearts. We can get little instant understanding, see a little bit here, see a little bit there, but we really can't read each other's hearts. God obviously can. So all of us can be all over the place in a room like this. Uh, we can be going through the motions and our hearts aren't in it. Our hearts can be in it and we're trying to figure out the external expressions of what it means to follow Christ. And then again, there's some of us that uh, just are really hesitant. We've got like one big toe in the waters and we're trying to figure out if it's too cold or too hot or what it's all about. And we're not ready to even get up into our knees with the things of following Christ. Uh, So it's kind of a good thing that, uh, you know, God, it's obviously a good thing that God can read our hearts, but the rest of us can't. We can't tell what's going on the inside. And sometimes it's hard to tell what's going on in the inside of our own lives. 
And it just reminds me of what it would be like if we could read each other's minds or more importantly, read each other's hearts. Hey babe, check this out. Alexa, it's game day. Streaming football on Prime Video, closing blind. It's like she can read your mind. Your mind. I love that we get to sleep in. Ordering fresh mint mouthwash. Extra strength. I'm thinking I should get a spray tan, you know? Because that's on Wednesday. Activating blender. Funeral's on Monday. Can't you see the treasure all along? It was here. Love the eye patch. It's. When does the show open? March 8th. Setting reminder to fake your own death on March 8th. Oh, no. Is that fun or is that like the worst? It's the worst. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Scarlett, mm. <laughs> this bread is delicious. Oh, Did you make it? Yes, uh, it's from my Gammy's recipe. Announcement, Gammy is short for she bought it at Whole Foods. Announcement, Colin left the oysters in the car for five hours. It's probably better unless it can't read your mind. But what is going on in our hearts does matter. And for wherever we're at, there's two thoughts, and I didn't get this in your notes. Um, thought of this Friday afternoon, and uh, so these are not in there, but you can think about them, is that we need to make sure that rules don't keep us from God. So is there anyone sitting out here, anyone watching online that says, you know, I'm just afraid of the rules, so I'm not going to take that step towards him. So we need to make sure that we're not thinking that. Because again, when God started everything in motion, there was just one rule. And it's because of interacting with us, and we'll unpack this a little bit more, that all of a sudden there's more rules, more commandments, more things like that. But in the beginning, uh, there wasn't. There was one. And even Jesus sums up everything by saying, love God and love others. And the Newer Testament is all an expression of those two ideas. So we want to make sure that rules don't keep us from God. And we don't want to think that rules keep you with God. So it's not following the rules that keep you tight with God. And it's not, don't worry about the rules so it keeps you from God. It's these two tensions and all of us probably have, like, ridden in between those tensions. Sometimes we lean a little more one way or a little bit more the other way. But we sometimes say, I don't want to believe. I don't want to put this into action because of the rules. So don't let the rules, as we unpack this, keep you from God or the perceived rules. And don't think that because you keep the rules, you are all set. Jesus also says, don't follow the examples of the Pharisees, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. How sad about that. The ones who are keeping the rules in theory externally, but internally it's not. There's a disconnect are just kind of weighing down everybody else. And it becomes a burden. It becomes just a frustration. It becomes a heavy, heavy weight. So this idea, again, of keep 
letting the rules keep you from God or letting the rules uh, keep you with God. Those are two foreign extreme thoughts. There's got to be a balance in there. And that's the reason there's this good news about Jesus. Sometimes we refer to that as the gospel, but it's the good news about Jesus. And we're in Romans, a letter to the church at Rome from Paul. Therefore, no one can be made right with God by following the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, out of being out of step with God, of being disobedient, of being self-centered. So all those laws, all those concepts are just to say, hey, you and I are not right. We've got this thing called the human condition. We have this sinful nature, and we kind of joke about this. You've never had to teach your young children how to misbehave. They just knew how to do it. It came naturally to them. Never had to ask my kids to hit each other. Believe it or not, those three little girls would sometimes wind up and whack each other with a toy. They just did that on their own. It's built in. So we have to understand that the good news, you, you, the, all these laws, is just to show where there is a gap. And some of it says, well, then that's to make me feel bad. No, that's to let you know of a need. Uh, to, to let you know that something's off a little bit or a, a lot. We read on, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, who all who put their trust in him. The weight of your life in him, the weight of your uh, eternity in him, the weight of your relationship with God on Christ because he died for us and rose again. So we, we trust him, we believe in him. Shared this story before, but I remember taking a group of kids on a zip line. And how many have been on a zip line before? How many have never want to be on a zip line? Yeah, there's some honest folks out there. So we went to this YMCA camp and we're doing the ropes thing, and I'm watching all the kids do the zip line. And, you know, and I, I had belief that it would hold these kids. I wouldn't have let the kids, well, one kid I would have let go on if I didn't think it would hold. But the rest of the kids, I would have let them ride the zip line. And so they went one after another, climb up this telephone pole thing and latched on and get to the top. I don't know, uh, seemed like 10,000 feet above the ground, but it's probably, you know, like 40 or something. And they'd climb up and get on and then they'd sit on this little stool like about this edge and just kind of like roll off. And the the guy running the thing told them not to hold on to the rope because if you did, you might bounce and might get the little pulley thing cockeyed and... uh, I don't really think that was true. I think it was just to cause people to freak out when they were going off it, but I don't know. So, you know, so kid after kid after kid after kid does this, and yeah, that's great, that's great. Then finally they're like, Dave, when are you going to do it? Uh Uh-huh. All right. I'll do it. So I climb up the pole thing, get on that little seat, and now this seems like this is freaking me out. I mean, this is, you know, you know, you're up there and they're just like, just kind of fall off the little stool and just don't hold on. And finally I did it, you know, and um, I didn't scream. I just, uh, you know, just grit my teeth. But anyway, um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't until I actually did it myself. That is placing my trust. That's placing my belief. I put the weight of my life on that zip line. 
And it was different believing from the ground. It was quite different uh, actually putting my weight on there. So when you and I place our trust, our belief, it's that kind of thing. And it's a head knowledge that moves into our heart. Just a couple things we need to mindset, and we're going to be celebrating communion a little bit, so this all ties together. You cannot earn God's acceptance by conforming to the law or the rules. You may please him by living a God-honoring life. You ought to have that desire, but that doesn't earn your way. None of us are good enough. We've got that little pamphlet, little booklet out in those pockets in the commons area and out by guest services, little book by Andy Stanley. It's all book about how good is good enough, and it talks about this. None of us are good enough. We just fall short. We make it almost all the way. And for some of us, that should be very reassuring that you can't earn your way and you don't have to earn your way. For some of us, that's, that's kind of humbling because we'd like to think that we're pretty good people compared to that guy who lives down the street. But no, it's, it's not us confer- conforming to that. Uh, and again, the purpose of the law is to show us your need of a Savior. Shows how we miss the mark, how we're not perfect. We are hardwired to be self-centered, and none of us like to come to terms with that. Uh, some of us use that as an excuse for misbehaving, but uh, uh, no, we, do, we don't like that. But we all individually need a Savior. And uh, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. And for some of us, that's really hard to swallow. We need to be saved from something. We need to be saved from our disobedience, saved from our uh, self-centered, saved from our sins, saved from being out of a line with God. And we need to be saved from that. So we need to see that we do fall short of the mark, fall short of what God would have us for. And instead of him writing us off, he provides a way. That's why we celebrate Easter and why Easter is such a big deal. You see, being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. That belief, that trust, putting the weight of our life on him. God makes people right through their faith in Jesus Christ. He does this for all who believe in Christ. Everyone is the same. In other words, it doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter what your history is. doesn't matter where you came from. It's the same for everyone. Faith in Christ alone. And see, often we, when it comes to faith, and I'm reminded of this every once in a while by a friend of mine, that you and I try to make everything complicated. And religion complicates with the law and laws and the rules. Relationship simplifies with love. There's that tension again, that idea that you and I complicate everything with the laws and the rules. We think we've got to earn our way. We think there's a pecking order out there. But no, no, it's simplified with love. Now, when we experience Christ's love, when we place our trust in him, then our response ought to be that we love him back and we try the best we can to love him through our actions, through loving God and loving others. Again, it's never earning. It's just in light of the love you and I have experienced, we try to live in a way that honors him. 
His Spirit comes and joins our life. His Holy Spirit lives within us, lives with us, and starts to guide us along the way if we're listening, if our heart's soft towards Him, and helps us to express what it means to love God and love others. And again, back to that idea. Don't let the rules keep you from God or think that the rules keep you with God. So what do we do? we got to think about this great news about faith being a loved-based relationship. Loved-based relationship. Christ makes the payment. You and I receive it, accept it. Uh, we'll celebrate that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a few moments and explain that. So as we think about all of this, we realize that the goal of the law and the rules is to direct you to a better way. It's not to take something away from you. Again, when I was in uh, college or at first uh, last year of high school, I was just kind of dreading the fact that when I finally surrendered like more of my life, that I would have to give stuff up. But the reality is it opens the door to a better way. When I'm faithful to my spouse, I enjoy a better relationship with my spouse. My marriage is better. Uh, when I try to be the parent that I ought to be, it reflects into the life of my kids. When I try to please God when nobody's looking there's some kind of ramifications in my life. God seems to honor that. It opens up life to a better way. It doesn't remove stuff from life. Tomorrow, i got to drive up to Rochester. And if tomorrow was drive any way you like on the turnpike on Route 90 up to Rochester, I would take 5 and 20 up to Rochester. I wouldn't go on the ni Route 90 if it was free day. Drive south or west on the way east, and you could drive as fast, slow. You could walk. Um, if you, you know, if the sun is out, you know, you could just, you know, set your lounge chair out in the middle of the road and just kind of lay out there and get a tan. If it was any which way on that road, you would stay away from it. Those rules on Route 90 help you get from point A to B as so safely as possible. And some of us, again, have got to come to terms with that. That that. The goal of all of this, these guidelines, these directions, is to direct us to a better way of living, not to take away from living. Jesus expresses it with just the idea of the Sabbath, and we don't have time to go into all the details of the Sabbath. But uh, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, made to serve us, made to help people, not man for the Sabbath. We weren't made to serve it or be ruled by it. A little different phrases from some of the different translations. From some of us who are familiar with this, the idea of a day of rest, uh, that wasn't made to deprive us. It was made to set us free. How many of you enjoy a day off? A joy that's a change of pace. A joy to recharge your batteries. That's a good thing. That's not a punishment. And so as we start to unpack and start to analyze and contextualize some of these commandments and directions and understand where they fit into the culture there and find the timeless truth for our time, we find that they open up the door to a better way of living. 
Jesus uh, talks about this, and, and I uh, love, uh, we'll get to it, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this in the message. He understands the context. He understands this idea of being burdened by all these rules. The Pharisees had added extra stuff to the scriptures. But Jesus says this in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us have got to come to terms with that. Jesus' burden is light. If you think it's heavy, there's a disconnect. Something's up. If you think it's burdensome to follow the Lord's commands, his directions, there is some disconnect there. Because Jesus himself says, it's light, it's easy, come to me, you who are weighed down. And again, it's not about having all these rules and regulations. Learn the rhythms, the grace. And so we have to look at life and we have to see how life is going. And if life seems heavy, if it seems religiously heavy, rules heavy, or just heavy... Jesus says, come to me and find relief and find a new way of living. It's not like magic hocus pocus. You just say, I'm going to pray for five minutes, and now I feel all wonderful and warm and fuzzy everywhere. No, no, there's a process. Following his lead day after day after day, week after week, and we find that as we continue to do that, it gets easier, the rhythm of life. There's an understanding So we have to get to a place where we are fed up with how we've been living. We say, wow, this is not good. I go, how's this working for you? This isn't working great. I'm fed up with it. And then here's the message of those first couple phrases. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Then come to me. Again, as you look at the context, you're going to see all these rules and regulations by the Pharisees. That's why Eugene Peterson puts this into context and says the understanding is that these people are just weighed down by the religious system of their day. And Jesus says, come to me and find relief from your religious heaviness. Part of that means that we give up control. Uh, We take his yoke. The idea of taking his yoke means it's easier. He's alongside us. Uh, A few years ago, Will was speaking about this. You remember Will, and and he actually had a yoke up here. And the idea for oxen was that you would train... uh, um, you know, a younger ox to, to kind of go the way. And, and at the beginning of this, that younger ox really wasn't pulling anything. They were just kind of long for the ride and uh, feet just barely touching the ground, if you will. And the big ox would just kind of go along and eventually learn. And it was a lighter experience for them. And Jesus is saying that, take my ways upon you and you'll find the pressure. There's a, there's a release for that. The purpose of the yoke is to share and lighten the load. So this may seem oversimplistic to you, but I actually believe this. When our load feels too heavy, one of the questions we ought to ask is, have I been regularly coming to Jesus to lighten my load? Because if it's too heavy, and that's just it's not just a little bit of a season of life, but it's your way of life, then there's some disconnect. Because then either Jesus' words aren't true for now, 
or aren't true for you, or they are, and we need to kind of revisit what that means. And I'm going to guess we have to revisit what that means. See this all through the Psalms. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load and help you out. I don't think those are just nice words for a Sunday morning. I think those are words that you and I can live on, trust in, and see them interact, integrate with our life. When I'm yoked with Jesus, we move together in the same direction and at the same pace. Sometimes I have to ask myself, when I'm feeling frantic, am I feeling frantic because I've said yes to too many things, things that he hadn't said that he would enable me to do? Um, doesn't always mean I cut back everything, but maybe, maybe there's some things that I need to say no to so I can say yes to other things. And so I, I try to travel at his pace. Our lives get in step with God by letting him set the pace. Are you letting him set the pace? A part of that is we need to learn to trust. We've talked about putting the weight of our spiritual life, our salvation, being born again, coming to know Jesus, whatever you want to call it, in him. But then there's a daily trust. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Today is a world where we need rest for our souls. So, how do we do that? Uh, it's going to sound very simple. It's going to sound very basic, but it is so real. We start every day with God. Some of you are not morning people, but that still means you can at least say, hey, God, I'm starting my day. I'll catch up with you throughout the day and talk to you in a little more depth later on tonight. That is okay. Some of us might use the excuse that we're not morning people because we stay up too late, and then when it's time to get up, there's just we're exhausted. That, that's not what we're talking here. Give God the best time of the day for you. A lot of us, that's the morning. So start every day with God. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God, or I might even say role-play before others. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense His grace. So we start every day with God, not, not just Sundays, not just here and there. We try to start every day. And yes, we will miss every once in a while, but don't let the fact that you missed two days go, then I'm going to miss again. Just get back up on that bike and ride it and start that day with God. Also, and this is going to seem a little self-serving, but I would say stay connected to your church family. You need to have a church family. And uh, this may be a bold statement to say, but if, if you can't find a church family out of all the churches in Seneca County and beyond, maybe, maybe, I'm just, maybe, maybe it's about you and not all the churches. There are no perfect churches out there. The minute one of us comes through the door, it becomes imperfect. So there's no perfect church. So we ought to be able to find a church where we can have community. Church doesn't mean building. Church means an assembly of Christ followers. And we need to stay connected. We need to be able to 
sharpen one another, encourage one another, help carry one another. And, and, and it's just not going to happen. You can start every day with God, but it's not supposed to be a solo sport. Be connected with a church family. Find one that you can love. Not think it's perfect, but you can love and stick with it and stick with them. So, we have to wrestle with this idea, this tension of, I want to believe, but I'm afraid of the rules. The rules keep me from being all in with God. And then there's some of us that say, oh, those rules on the outside keep me close to God. It's not either of those. It's being connected with him. You see, don't be fooled or, or overly ruled, but instead lived fueled. The idea of being fueled with God, Sundays, yes, but through the week. Sundays are supposed to be the icing of the cake. The substance of the cake is your daily walk with him and your daily walk with others. Don't let rules keep you from God or think that you keep they keep you with God. Keep away from those. Stay in the center. Don't lean one way or the other way. And you'll find it easier to believe and to have a smaller but the rules to follow. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. I ask that if there's anyone here who's never put the full weight of their life in your hands by placing their trust in you, by saying yes to you, uh, thanking you for the gift of your son, that even in this moment, they'd do it now. And for those of us who have, we ask that 